I know what it's like to feel invisible, to think it's too late to become what you've always wanted to be. You feel like it's too late to have more life. I felt that way too, but when I lost my brother to cancer, he made me realize I have way more life to live. And I discovered the choice was mine to live it or not. I know you want to become confident and empowered, and you deserve to step into that life you are yearning for. I'm Carrie V, and I get it. There is more greatness to come in your life, and I know you can feel it. I've made a choice to live my big life. Now it is your turn to be empowered and step into the life that has always been yours. It's time for you to step off the sidelines and into your own life, the one you were created to live. It's easier than you think. I believe in you. In fact, I am your biggest fan. So let's get started. Welcome back to Coffee and Tea with Carrie V. On today's episode, we are speaking with Kayla Ibanez. Grab a notebook, grab a pen, buckle in, and get ready. We are here today with Kayla Ibanez because she is the bomb. She is my coach. She is my friend. She is my mentor. She is my biggest fan. Oh my God, it's so true. <laughs> it is true, and I'm yours. <laughs> Kayla has been, when I met Kayla, I met her on a call that technically I wasn't even supposed to be on, which to me was total divine intervention that I heard her. And my heart was immediately drawn to her watching the way that she gave this call and showed up with authority, but was also sitting at the side of her daughter's hospital bed. And we're not talking about a two-day hospital stay for a tonsillectomy. We are talking a major, major life event with a daughter that was in the hospital. I'll let her tell that story for a long time. And watching the way Kayla showed up with authority and at the same time mothered her daughter was unbelievable to me. And I knew I had to be a part of this woman's life. And I stalked her <laughs> until she agreed to work with me. <laughs> and she's here today to tell us her story and talk about pivoting because a lot of us are finding us in that direction right now. And do we walk through the fear? How do we walk through the fear? And how does pivoting show up in your life? So without further ado, Kayla, take it. And you know, what's funny is you totally said you were going to record the intro separately. No, I'm I just did. messing with you. I did. <laughs> and it just happens. No, but the funniest thing was me or you telling the story about how, you know, you hopped onto this call you weren't supposed to be on. And what was so funny about that is it was when, of course, Teresa, my daughter, who was three, yeah, she had to have been three at the time, was in the hospital, yeah. um, overcoming so much with unknown cause bone marrow failure. And actually, regardless, she, I think she might have been four at that point because, yeah, we had been in the hospital about a year. Yeah. So we had been there for a while. We were making ourselves at home. And I started the business and relatively early on to me settling in this niche, I had been hammering it fine-tuning it for many, many months. And I got asked to be on that big team call. So for that one, I was like, there's no way I'm doing this in the hospital. I'm like, I'm like, being on Janelle's call is a big deal. So I was like, Teresa, mom and dad got to go home to set up the computer because I got to do it there because I can't have yelling and beeping and shenanigans because my daughter would get very particular if I didn't get her juice fast enough. And she would <laughs> scream and yell at me because she knew that she was in control. 
So I'm like, no, there's no way that's happening. So my husband was working at, at our house. So I left the hospital, drove home. He like set up the computer, did the lighting for me. It was our little, in our old condo, our little computer desk in the corner. I'm pretty sure yeah. the Christmas tree was still up behind me because it was <laughs> early, early, early January, like the first yeah. week of January, mm-hmm. 2019 mm-hmm. and delivered that call. And, oh, I was so nervous. I like got all ready, all cute. I was like, I have to look my best. Like, <laughs> You're oh. always adorable. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it went really well. I was so nervous. I was so freaked out. I made my husband. I was in the living room on that computer. I made him go hide in the bedroom. He <laughs> fell asleep and took a nap. This was like 7 p.m. He definitely took a nap, wasn't even listening to me. I'm like, thanks, dude. I but love yeah, it. that was that was the big, the big, the big break, if you will, for me. And I know you said kind of like tell me your story. I feel like that's it in a nutshell. I did yeah. so much work behind the scenes, work that no one saw me doing for many weeks and many months before showing up in this business, like full force showing up from day one as, as if I was a big deal. And I believed that I was a big deal. And I got the attention of some heavy hitters in the industry that I wanted to work in because of how consistently I showed up no matter what, no matter how rough the day was, no matter if I didn't feel like it, it's like, I'm committed to doing this. Yes. Yes. How did that look some days for you? showing up even when you don't feel like it, or there was so much going on behind the scenes that I don't know if most people realized it then. I certainly didn't the first time I heard you speak, or even for a couple of months after. It took a while for me to really, really grasp the depth and gravity of the situation your family was facing. What did that feel like, look like some days? Yeah. I mean, even just because I feel like as time goes on, it's like, how far back can we really continue to go before we're here all day? <laughs> because it's been a few years. Like we're, yes. we're talking about January, 2019, which is a year and a half ago. Yep. Um, but some days during that time, like that was when she had already been in the hospital for a year and we were gearing up for the bone marrow transplant on January 10th. And I yep. feel like this call, I don't remember exactly. I want to say it was like January 3rd. Something like that. It was was something like that. It was right before the transplant. And my first like big launch was in the middle of that transplant too, which was really crazy. Wow. And so like, how are some days, I mean, living in the hospital, um, we were very lucky to have a lot of support from the Ronald McDonald house, but it was, it wasn't that close. It was still a couple blocks away. So there was a lot of back Mm -hmm. and forth. There were days I slept in the hospital, which for me meant sleeping in a chair. It reclined, but- it's a chair. Yes. Only having a few outfits you're recycling through because I mean, even though we had already been there a year and I had collected a fair share of (laughs) belongings there with me, it's like, I didn't have that much clothes with me. Yeah. So I'm wearing a lot of the same outfits, you know, some days it's like you get a quick shower, but you didn't really have the time to do your hair and everything. I mean, if you stay overnight in the hospital, it's a it's not a shower shower. It's <laughs> you wash what needs to be washed and yes. everything else like hair kind of go by the wayside. So it was a lot of greasy hair, top knots, trying to wash my face in a little, just a little sink. It's, it's not oh. a vanity here, people. This is like a little sink and I'm trying not to douse my shirt and wash my face. And Oh my gosh. And so it's, you know, it's, it's not a hotel, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. And so there was a lot of days of roughing it, roughing it and showing up on camera, even though I didn't always feel good. I mean, 
something I did prioritize early on in the hospital time was like, what can I do for myself? So early in 2018, when we realized we were in it for the long haul, but she was safe enough, I started the process of lightening my hair because that was something that made me feel good. Uh Um, So it was like little things like that, that helped. But for the most part, it was like, I feel like I'm camping all the time. (laughs) And that's how I describe it. Cause it's like, you never, I mean, I was always sleeping alone. My husband was with my daughter and I slept at the Ronald McDonald house. And then he'd work during the day and be gone from the hospital. And I'd be there with her all day. So we were Shifts wow. the night for a long time. Wow. That's, that's something that I don't think until just now that I really understood what it was like in that little tiny room. And from the outside looking in and not really knowing you very well then, but really starting to follow you and watching everything you did, you gave me permission to show up exactly as I was. And not to worry, as I always did my whole life, to always have to be perfect before I would let a picture be shown. And if I wasn't perfect, deleting it and really looking at you and saying, this woman has the confidence that I want, on it. She just shows up. You just showed up. And I'm sure there were days where it had to have been super hard to, to show up for anybody, even mm-hmm. yourself with the exhaustion. Absolutely. And you know, even with what we're currently in of like later phases of quarantine, I guess we can kind of call this is when we were in the hospital, it was basically like an even worse quarantine at times because it was like groundhog day. Every day was the same. You know, you get up, the doctor's round, they come to you eventually. Teresa had surgeries weekly at times, scans, physical therapy, music therapy, all these like different things. And it was just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And I would like go into the lobby. Honestly, this is like kind of sad. I'd go into the lobby just like people watch because it was a different scenery. (laughs) And then like, I became friends with like security because I, you know, go back and forth, go to Starbucks because it's like, I'm going somewhere, right? Walk to the other building to go to Starbucks. And like, I would just wait to because people are kind of nasty in the hospital. Honestly, I would wait to see like some sort of confrontation so I could like intervene and be like, get off. Cause <laughs> yeah. I felt like I was like, you know, like I was a full-time citizen there, you know? So it's like, yes. you don't talk to Marie at the front desk like that. So I would like, <laughs> I look out, like I would look for opportunities. I was like that really like that nosy person who like something would be happening like in another room. And I'd be like uh-huh. peeking out in the hallway. Cause you'd get literally so bored. Yeah. Like grateful that like we were bored in our personal case, of course, yes. gratitude, but like, you know, security would like run down the hall over who knows goofy things in a, in a children's hospital. But I'd be like, like <laughs> ask security, like what's, what's the latest? Is there anything crazy? And they're like yeah. 99% of the time. No, <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. I, I just want some sort of excitement. So it's like, you realize like that prepared me for this. I mean, sitting at home, like on my couch and in my bed and having my shower and all of, I guess, my things and all of us together, let's not dismiss that. But of course, like, it's like you realize you can get by with a lot less things than you think. Sure. And I think also the biggest takeaway is that we think we can't do hard things, but when you just start doing it, 
you're, and then you, as time goes on, you look back at where you've come from. Like, yeah, I did that. I did that. Yeah. Funny story, side note, since this is a little bit con- conversational, <laughs> I feel like we're all friends here listening. Get yes, this. we are. So we had to have been in the hospital almost a year by this point. It was long enough. Trust me, trust me <laughs> where this story makes sense. And it was when my daughter was starting to walk again. So it must've been about a year because she had been building up her stamina for a while. Wow. And so we were going for a lap on the floor with me, Teresa and her nurse. And there's a woman coming out of the room yelling at another nurse. I don't even remember what the situation was about. It was, it was very trivial. It was like, oh my God, like life is so hard. She's like, we've, I, we've been here like two days. This is crazy. And oh so my God. I turned to the nurse and kind of mumble under my breath, like, oh, two days, you poor thing. And she <laughs> died laughing. Cause it's like two days. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I ran yeah. into that a lot. Like people being nasty to like other people for no reason because, uh, you know, they didn't agree with like the visitor policy and stuff that's set to protect people. Right. Yes. They yes. get mad and, you know, well, I've, or like, you know, or something else too. People didn't like always having to show their ID. It's like, it's a children's hospital. Joe yeah. is not just going upstairs, but some people didn't like that. And so they'd get mad. Well, what do you mean? I've been here a week. How do you not recognize me? And I, I hear that a lot. And I'd always pipe oh in, gosh. I'd always pipe in, been here for 200 days, still show my ID. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, well, after traveling with you, I can see you doing that. <laughs> just, just, just to put them in their place. I mean, yes. to yeah. Perspective, right? They, they did know me, but a week versus a year. It's like, yes, you know, people knew me, but you know, it, it just goes to show that, you know, you still find things to laugh about. It's like, I never once complained like that over any time period or thought that yeah, we deserved something, you know, especially when it came to compromising safety or like number of visitors. And it's like, no, yeah. like, I'm, a, I'm a rule follower, you know, except yes. occasionally because like visitors that aren't parents, you have to leave at nine. Sometimes my dad, he'd stay later when he was visiting. <laughs> <laughs> you rebel you. <laughs> but they do like, they come through the rooms and they're like, you know, because, you know, we, yeah. you, well, you, you already know me when I get excited and get laugh and I get loud. Yes. I get that from my dad. So when we're in there and we're laughing. I'm like, so there were a few times they were like, all right, you gotta go. But yeah, we definitely got away with some little things. Like that. <laughs> I'm envisioning things in my head right now. <laughs> no, in, 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 in my dad, if you met him, like I, th- I, I am a lot like him. You'd be like, yep. Yep. Uh-huh. Like, cracks like the same, like goofy jokes but he would like, you know, he made friends with the same people in security, you know, uh-huh. jokes. And so it was like, that's something else. I think a biggest takeaway is when something crazy happens, it's outside of your control. It's like, how can you make it better? Like yeah. I could have just been miserable, never talked to anybody, but no, like I made friends with the nurses. You know, I was yes. always saying, Hey, to everyone, you know, the people who were like transport and like doing a bunch of like kind of cleaning and maintenance stuff. Like I made friends with them because their life is hard. They're running around getting all the food trays and picking up people's stuff and running people to like scans and surgeries. Yeah. And so I definitely made it a point to be like, I could be miserable and sit here by myself and not talk to anyone or I can make friends and like make the most of this situation. So in yeah. the hospital, like I made friends with the people on like the Ronald McDonald house sleep room floor, which is more so for like critical kids, like very critical. So we stayed there at the beginning before we moved to the house and like 
NICU moms are staying in there because it's super close to their kids. Uh Like I made friends with the people down there. I had friends at security. I had friends at Starbucks. I made friends with the the women coming and delivering the meal trays. Like (laughs) this does not surprise me. I would just go for a walk and say hey to my nurses, the secretary at the front desk. I go get a water in the family room and like, yeah, just make the most of it. You know, because it's like, well, what are you going to do? You're going to sit here anyway. There's nothing that you can do other than, of course, being a parent who's active in your child's care, of course. Like you can't change what's happening. Mm -hmm. So it's like Mm -hmm. you can do something about it. And I guess that same attitude is exactly how I approached like, well, you can't really go out to a nine to five. And by the way, your nine to five sucks. And you've known that for years. How about we take this opportunity that's been presented to us, even though it's through a not so good circumstance yeah. and create something better out of it. Mm-hmm. So for my listeners, for our listeners who don't know this, how, what did that look like? When did you decide, okay, I want to be actively involved in my daughter's care. I have to do something to make a shift here. How did that come around? I would say it was definitely about April, 2018 is the time period that really stuck to me because Teresa got sick January 22nd, 2018. And until about mid-March, it was a lot of like touch and go times. Like she was sedated a lot of the times, multiple like big surgeries. Like she'd be down in the OR for seven hours and we're just like sitting in the room, twiddling our thumbs, like waiting for a call or for someone to come into the room. Um, she was in the ICU back and forth. Like we went back and forth so many times. Wow. And wow. it's like, and it was so hard because even in those early days, like I was in the sleep room and my husband stayed in the room with her. Cause there's only one pull out. Yes. And you can only sleep in that chair so many nights, which yep. I did a lot. I will admit mom guilt did my due. But then when we got that room, my husband would usually in the earlier days when he wasn't going to work because our daughter was not stable, he yes. would go take naps down on the real bed and I'd be up with her and then he'd sleep there at night and I'd go uh-huh. down. So we'd alternate because it was two floors down. But there were a couple times I'd be asleep, the phone would ring, middle of the night, yeah. freak the F out. <sighs> it was like, she's got another fever. It's not coming down. We're going back to the ICU. So it's like four o'clock in the morning. I'm not dressed. I got to wow. get dressed, put contacts in try not to be visibly upset as much as you can Yeah, and get up there and see my little pumpkin all sweaty and clammy with a washcloth on her head. And so after we got through all of that and things were kind of like, we still had no answers. Like you'll notice a recurring theme throughout this entire time, even through now is we don't have any answers on to what caused or even really what she has. Wow. Um, yeah. But then there were times where it's like, okay, we're not really having as many fevers. And if they do, they come down with Tylenol. No more bacteria is growing in her body that isn't already being controlled. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, now that things are starting to stabilize, like what, like, what can I do? Cause it's yeah. like, I could sit here and watch Netflix and rot for a while, but even then it's like, we knew it was going to be a long haul. Yeah. But I honestly thought weeks and months, not a year yeah. and a half of being in the hospital actively. Yes. And so I just started like, I thought I was going to maybe go back into my network marketing business and just like dive in and do it right. Yeah. But then it was like, 
I just kind of started to like look and see what was out there as far as like as far as like what I could do. And there were yeah. some influencers I admired and I like watched their YouTube videos and just kind of started going down this rabbit hole of like what's possible. Yeah. And so I did that yeah. actually, like listening to all the podcasts, watching all the YouTube videos, doing all like these like little course things, nothing like major. Uh-huh. About April 2018 until end of July. 2018. And then yeah, end of August is when I was like, I'm going to like reach out to someone who I admire, who I've been jealous of seeing all the trips and the glitz, <laughs> the, the glam of it. Cause I was, uh-huh. we were friends through network marketing and she took off and I didn't. And inside I was like that little, yeah, you know, know. That, that jealousy, like, Oh, must be nice. Must yes. Be nice to do that. I was that person through and through. And I just reached out and I was like, kind of casual, you know, just putting my, dipping my toe in, you know, like, Hey, I love what you're doing. And I'd love to help, love for you to help me do something. Don't know what, but something would be cool. And that's really like where it started. So it was a lot of backend realization, reading, learning, being a student for that many months. Yeah. And I didn't. Yeah. So like from between April, 2018 and October, 2018, I didn't make a sale. I made my first sale like October 15th, 2018. Wow. So it was a lot of, and this wasn't just like dipping my toe in, like from April, like I was committed. Yes. Yeah. It was full. Like this is what I was doing with like every moment that I had. So do you think you would have felt that committed had you not made a monetary investment in yourself with this? Because she didn't just sit, come to you and say, hey, Kayla, I'm just going to do this for you because I know you. She said, this is what, yeah. this is this is the investment and do you want to do this? 100%, yeah. And even that first investment, which was actually comparable to, I think, what rates are now, it was very low, but it was still scary because yeah. my money mindset at the time, you know, a couple hundred dollars was still a lot of money. Yes. So then, but after I think maybe it was the second month, it was definitely, I think later on that fall, the rates, I want to do the math, but I want to say, I think the rates quadrupled. Wow. So that was the new, that was the new ongoing. It was a little bit uh-huh. like we, we had calls every other week at first. So this was going to be going to weekly, but yes. it was still quadrupled what I was paying. I even like want to get a calculator to do the math for you guys. Cause I think this is so important just to understand yeah, the amount of fear. <laughs> no, actually yeah. five times. Wow. Five I, times. I did the math exactly five times what I had been paying for that first to kind of get started. Yeah. And so I was like, at the time it was more than my rent at the condo. Uh-huh. And I uh-huh. was like, how? I had a little chunk yes. of money and I was making a little bit, like I had sold a couple intensives at like a hundred bucks or not. Uh-huh. So it wasn't, I had a little something, something. And I was like, and then I had that. And then I was going into work like two half days a week. Uh huh. So I did that. I had been doing that, but I had been putting that aside because thankfully yeah. our community really helped us out with like, we had food covered and then the Ron McDonald house. So like yeah, we were taken care of. Teresa was taken care of. Our son was taken care of. And so I had the money from when I was working and I was yep. like, I'm like, oh, five times. It's more than my rent. Wow. And like a lot of people, when they see something like that, it's like, it's more than my rent. 
I don't even think I've gotten a paycheck with that much money, like in one sitting ever. Yeah. And it's like, how? And how am I going to do it? And I yeah. don't even remember. I think I just like did it. And I was like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> I, like now it's definitely go time. So did what, especially that jump, was that yes. what really lit a fire? I think so. I was just going to ask think, you that. Yeah. I think yes. that was, that was the biggest thing is it's like, it has to be scary and it has to stretch you because if you're comfortable and it's just blah, like it won't matter to you enough and you likely won't show up in your full power for it. Yes. Yes. That was going to, that was my question. How, so five times more the investment, how much more times, times, how do I word this? So if it was five times more the investment, would you say you showed up five times more energetically or more than going, holy crap, I just did this investment. I'm showing up with this much energy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It was like, I'm going in even harder. Like I'm not leaving a stone unturned. Like I'm going to do everything that I need to do to, well, honestly, it's like in 30 days, there's another automatic payment coming. (laughs) Yes. So you better get ready. So it was kind of like one of those things. So I guess that's, what's nice about when you're on a coaching plan like that, even where it's like, now you have lots of skin in the game. Cause it's like, I'm not going to be someone that has to say, Oh, nope, can't pay it. Sorry. It's like, no, I didn't yeah. go all in just to sit back and coast and try it out. Like I approached it with the same. Sure. Tenacity and everything that I do with my business right now. So for, for me and for, this is a question I've got, this just came to me. So would you say your life up to that point from childhood, from everything you can think of, prepared you for that attitude? Or was there an attitude shift that came somewhere along the lines of that investment where have you always been this amazing woman that I met with the attitude of I can do anything? Or did that shift come with the investment or soon before? Like, I think that that person has always been there. Was she the one front and center for years? No, because it's easy to stay in the comfort zone of your misery and just complain all the time sure it is. than it is to do something about it. And I run yeah. into that even in my industry of people complaining, well, I'm not making any money. I'm not getting any clients. And it's like, well, offered you a solution where you could do something about it, but you decided to stay where you are and complain instead. Yeah. I have been that person. So I get it because it's easy. Mm -hmm. It's easy to just complain and then time goes by and you get frustrated again. And it's like this vicious cycle. Yes. But it's like, but what's coming out of it? How do you break that cycle? And I think the investment was definitely a huge piece of it. And certainly like what happened to my daughter. And it's kind of like that moment where your life flashes before your eyes and you're like, what do I have to show for the time that I've had so far? For me, it was not much. Had Uh potential, but never followed through on the potential because of fear, doubt, and doing what was easy. Yep. Yep. So if we fast forward to everything that's been happening in the past since it just seems, it seems like a lifetime ago that we were in Arizona and LA and it was just the beginning of, I know, (laughs) it seems like eons ago. But correlation between everything that you went through then and bringing it through to now, because it is definitely not an easy time for for people who are saying, okay, 
maybe maybe someone who's listening has been furloughed or laid off and bills are mounting and things are going crazy what's the advice you would give them do you do you think that inside of all of us amazing women is that person who has the tenacity to go for it does it exist in all of us and what what's your advice you know i think it does and i think that there's just people unfortunately in life that are never going to pull it out yeah. before their time is up and yes. that's sad but I think the biggest thing to ask yourself is oftentimes when we don't do something, whether we really want it or not, I think that's completely irrelevant. Like you can want something so bad, but people's fears oftentimes boil down to money. Like, oh, I can't, I can't afford it. I can't do it. And it's like, yeah. well, if you really want it bad enough, like you can always make more money. Like, yeah, like literally if someone said to us, right, you have 24 hours to get scrappy and go make money. Like there would be some of us knocking on neighbor's doors, offering to do yard work, babysitting, walking a dog, like selling things in our house online on marketplace. Like if you had to get scrappy, no matter what anyone that's listening, like you can make money. However, time when that goes by, it's just done. There's nothing you can do to get that back. And so that's one of the biggest things I say to people. It's like, okay, if your fear is money, it's not like you're never not going to make more money. And sometimes exactly. we have to tell ourselves that because we hold on to this cash, whether it's a paycheck or a bonus or when we make sales and we have it and it's like, okay, but are we going to do something with it? Or are we just going to sit here and either do something stupid with it or let an opportunity pass just because we want it to sit in this cute little pile and not do anything? Like it's just exactly. energy. It's supposed yeah. to be coming in and out. And so holding on to it, energetically, unless, you know, if it's a savings or something else, that's different. Yes. Holding on to this like active money and being fearful about what to do with it instead of trusting yourself with knowing what you should be doing with it. I think that's what's holding most people back from really fulfilling their potential. Yeah. Stepping into their greatness. seems like potential is this word. Potential kills more dreams right? Than anything, because you, you hold on to what you could be and never take the steps to actually fulfill it because of this fear of, well, what if, what if I'm not that good? But right. What if you are, what if you're better than what you think your potential is? And you just never step into it despite fear. I mean, you stepped through this experience that most of us are never going to have. We are never going to sit by a bedside of a, of a child who is desperately ill for a year and a half and, and take that. I don't know. I just think Kayla in watching you and watching how you responded and how you stepped through the fear was such a lesson to me. I cared about you as a person I fell in love with your family from the first time I saw them on video and met them in person. There was just this this lesson in it all of being in in seemingly impossible situations. And I know a lot of people feel like that right now. Like it's just an impossible situation to move forward, but you did it anyway. You did it anyway. So... A, la- a piece of, what is a piece of advice? I should have told you I was going to ask you this, but I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh, snap. <laughs> my, 
my um, branding is to step into your pow pow shoes. For, for every woman that looks different, her shoes look different. Mine, you've seen my sparkly superhero shoes. What is, two questions, what is your version of the pow pow shoes that you stepped into to make that pivot when things seemed hopeless and impossible, number one? And number two, every podcast ends with a, a journal prompt that, that our listeners can use to move forward in life. So two things, what, are your pow, what do your pow pow shoes look like and a journal prompt that you would give to help women step into their pow pow shoes. So are we talking about like actual shoes? Yeah. What are your pow? Well, they don't have to be. You answer that question however you want. Like a metaphor. I'm like, look at me. I'm going to be the one that like totally takes this at face value (laughs) instead of going deeper. (laughs) I love booties that don't have like a heel. They can have a little bit of a wedge, but I don't do good with heels. Like Uh I just no, I don't like them. Um, so <laughs> little booties are cute because they give like the look of your legs as if you're wearing heels, but you're True. likely not going to break your ankle. Yes. I like that. And I want to avoid ankle breaking at all. <laughs> so I think booties are so cute. I have so many pairs and there's nothing like booties with leggings or like jeggings or honestly, even wearing them with like just a dress and you can like yes. dress them up. So I like yes. those better than heels. And uh, yes. I like closed toe too. So you don't have to worry about getting a pedicure. Um, <laughs> quarantine feet. But, um, and then as far as a journal prompt, ooh. Yes. Ooh, I feel like we could be here all day brainstorming that. It's I like, know, right? It's just fun. You should have prepared me for this. I like, know like, I should have, but you're Kayla. I mean, you could do this. I do like coming up with things on the fly. Yes, you do. I would say it's, oh, here's one answer this first. What is it that I want? So there's part one, fill that out. And then part two, are my actions supporting what I want? And if not, how can I change them? I love that. That is so awesome. Can you repeat it for them one more time? Yeah, absolutely. So first, like, what is it that you want just in life in general? You can be so vague. I want a car and I want, I want a Ferrari and I want avocado toast. Like, I don't care. Just write all the things that you want. And then on the second piece answer, are my current actions supporting what I want? As in, is it getting you closer to what you're not, what you want? And if not, why? Like, what are you doing to yourself? How are you self-sabotaging and what can you change about them? So it's kind of a, a loaded journal prompt. It sure is. The reason why I think it's powerful because people come to me and they're like, I'm still not where I want to be. I've been doing this, this, this. And it's like, okay, let's evaluate. You say you want that. What have you actually been doing? And is that actually getting you closer? No. Okay, well then let's look at the actions because talk is cheap and you can say you want something, but if you're not willing to do the work to get there, you either need to check yourself before you wreck yourself or change what you want. I love that. Thank you so much much. (laughs) This has been amazing. I, every time I talk to you, we have traveled together so many times, but I learned something new. (laughs) Where are we going next and when? (laughs) You guys will probably be the first to know when we go somewhere. Yes. (laughs) I would like to know when we're going to go somewhere. I know, but we will be raising trouble somewhere soon. I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure too. Thank you so much. I know that there are truth bombs through this whole thing and 
How can people find you? How can people How stalk can people you? find me? Well, on Instagram, I am Kayla Ibanez, Y-B-A-N-E-Z. I'm sure Carrie will put it in the show notes. It will be there. And then I am also the host of a podcast. It's called the Stop the Hey Girl podcast for online entrepreneurs and business owners. And it is amazing. So that will all be in the show notes. Everybody stalk her the way I did because you will learn something that will change your life every day. She's amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening in. I want you to know I do not take it for granted that you give me this time to have coffee and tea together with me. But before you go, it would mean the world to me if you grab a quick coffee or tea refill and pop into the podcast reviews and leave me a review. It's how this podcast grows. It's how it reaches and empowers more women. And it's how I know how to serve you best. I want this podcast to be what you need. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and share it with your friends. And follow me on Instagram at I am Carrie V. Remember, it is never too late. Peace out, girlfriend. Pow, pow. <laughs>